Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been a joy to be able to worship together this evening uh, in song and in prayer and in the reading of Scripture. And we are, we're here tonight for a reason that many in the world would reject. Uh, they, that they would reject, that they simply wouldn't understand, that they can't understand. And the Apostle Paul says it like this to the church in Corinth. He says that we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. So the scripture breaks down all of the people in the world into these two groups, in the, the, two groups that the original audience would be very familiar with. And Christ crucified is a stumbling block to the Jews. In other words, to those people in what we would categorize as the Old Covenant, as in the Old Covenant with God, a covenant that was temporal and would... Uh, and it was not about eternal salvation. And then also foolishness to the Gentiles. In other words, foolishness to everyone else in the world who's not in that old covenant uh, with God. Now, not every Jew, right? Not every Gentile, right? I mean, when the Apostle Paul penned those words in 1 Corinthians, there were, of course, Jews and Gentiles that were believing, uh, just like there are today. There have been and there always will be elect saints who are born again by the Spirit, who are washed clean and are sanctified by the blood of Christ. And that's been the case from the time when Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. Those who believed back then were sa and were savingly belonging to Christ. They looked forward to the cross. They believed in the, in the promise of it, which was sure. And then likewise, there will be saints on this side of the cross as well. We simply look back to the fulfilled promise, and the church, the kingdom of God, grows like that until Christ comes to consummate his kingdom. There will be believers on God's earth worshiping God as he desires to be worshiped all the way up into the second coming. The church is victorious, and even the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Uh, that is in part why we are worshiping. It is amazing. God is, God is good, friends. Unbelievers may increase in wickedness as time goes on, they will reject the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They will not believe what they have accomplished. But the church will continue on among the world, worshiping the one God in spirit and truth, influencing the world and being a witness to the world that whole time. Christ Jesus is king over all, and it is, it is impossible then for his church to fail in that, mis in that mission and in what he has set the church to do in all of those matters. Now, it is true that our message is always Christ and Him crucified, and the world rejects that message. It is, it is our message seven days a week. It is our message on the Lord's Day when we gather as well. But we've set aside tonight to remember His work on the cross on the anniversary of the day that He went to the cross, on that Friday before Pentecost. It's the day when Christ died, but it is actually, in fact, Good Friday. It's good because if He never did this, then everyone would still be dead in their sins. It's good because if he didn't do this, then no one would be justified. No one would have any chance of even being justified. It's good that he did this because if he never did this, we would all be the enemies of God and subject to his wrath. It's good because, well, because he didn't stay dead, church. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And we're going to continue to worship God now through this ordinance that he set up himself with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. 
that faded and that ordained Friday night. Uh, he, he set this up for us and it's a practice that is content to continue on until he comes again. We're going to observe the Lord's table or, or communion. And in Luke's gospel record, we read that one of the things that he told his disciples at that point, there is, you know, it's also told in Mark and in John and in Matthew as well, but in Luke's, there's a detail that we read. So let's turn to Luke chapter 22, actually, if you have your Bible with you. Let's look to Luke chapter 22, because there's a detail there that the Lord says. This is in verse 20, or excuse me, it's verse 19. He tells them that we would do this in remembrance of him. So let's read verse 19. It says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So it's a, it's a command from our Lord to do this. It's not a suggestion. It's not, well, if you like, if you think about doing this and you remember to do it, then go ahead and do it. This is a command for us to do this in remembrance of him. Do this, he says, and in doing it, we are to remember what he did for us. His body was broken, how it was broken, how the eternal, only begotten Son of God took to himself a human nature not changing his divine nature at all. And then in that one person, the unique and the only God-man, he was able to fulfill the law and then die there upon the cross as a substitute. Because if sin was to be atoned for, if sin was to be paid, there had to have been a sacrifice, a payment that would wipe away the debt that was owed. And so when we take communion, it's a memorial of those things. But it's also more than a memorial. Time constrains us, but it's also a means of grace. Remembering Christ's death and how it, how it happened and how it was applied to us blesses us. It encourages us. It builds us up in our faith when we participate in it with the faith that God gives us. It's more than a memorial. In fact, it, it is proper for us to call it a covenant meal, Let's actually look back at Luke chapter 20 and look what he goes on to say in verse 20, excuse me, Luke 22, Luke 22, verse 20. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So the cup is filled with wine and it represents the Lord's blood that was spilled. Remember, we are remembering a sacrifice, but it's not just some random sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice like all the sacrifices that existed in the Old Covenant. It, those sacrifices pointed to this one and final sacrifice. And it's the cup of the new covenant. It's the covenant of grace revealed. The covenant by which anyone has ever been saved. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. And so this meal that we will soon partake of is properly called a covenant meal. It's the meal of the new covenant. It's a sign of it, and our partaking of it proclaims that we are in fact in this, that we are in fact in this covenant with God. Now, it's just a little piece of bread and like a quarter ounce of wine or juice, so it's hardly a meal in the way that we would think of a meal typically but it's not a meal that's meant to satisfy the appetites of our bodies. It's not that sort of meal. We would need more bread and wine for that. 
But, but this is a meal that points to a satisfied appetite that we had at the moment that we were saved. A hunger and a thirst for God. A hunger and a thirst for righteousness. It, it, taking this meal tonight, or anytime you take it, it itself doesn't accomplish that. But it points to Christ's accomplishing of those things for us. It speaks of the pardon of sin that we have in Christ. Uh, which of us here tonight have been without sin since we've been saved? I don't see any hands going up. Hey, Joan. It's good to see you, Joan. This covenant meal tells us forgetful saints that we are accepted in the beloved, that we are accepted in the Son. And so it's important that believers do it frequently. It's a blessing to us. We're commanded to do it, but it is good for us to do it. And so we're going to do it tonight. Now, because of all those things, because this is a covenant meal, this ordinance is not for everyone. It's only for those who have been baptized into Christ through faith. It's only for those who are in covenant with God through Christ and what he's done. So you don't have to be without sin to participate tonight. None of us would be able to participate if that was the case. Uh, but if your sins, or if you are in Christ, then that means that your sins are forgiven. You're, if you're trusting in Jesus for your salvation, and you then, because your salvation bears fruits of repentance, you're invited to partake of this ordinance tonight, of this sacrament tonight. But if you're not saved, if you've yet to trust Christ, then please don't come forward to take the elements. This is only for believers. And the reason for that is this order, that this ordinance is only for believers in addition to the things that we've already said, is in part because of what Paul says to the saints in Corinth in the 10th letter, or excuse me, the 10th chapter of that letter. In verses 15 to 17, he says, I speak as to a sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So notice the cup that we partake, or the, the cup we bless, the bread we break. The act of doing these things and participating in them, you know, taking them, it means that we are actually participating in the blood and the body of Christ. But what, what does that mean? What does it mean for us to participate in the blood and body of Christ? Well, it means that those who participate in the Lord's table by taking the cup and then by also eating of the bread are admitting and acknowledging that it was, in fact, our very sin that Christ went to the cross to die for. Only someone in covenant with him is to do that through Christ. And that, and that Jesus there on the cross is who he said he was, and he atoned for your sin and so that you could be justified in the sight of God. Your participating in the elements is saying that he has died for you and for your sins, in other words. And so do you believe that? If you believe that, if that is your profession and your hope, this ordinance is for you tonight. So now a quick word about the elements we're going to take care of. Nick doesn't need to know because he knows what we're doing tonight. But at this point, <laughs> at this point I would like to let... You all, if you guys wanted to go and get the elements, because you don't have them yet, do you? If you guys wanted to get them, and we could just, they don't need to know about this stuff because this is the instruction as to how we're going to take them. So if you guys wanted to go and get yours, you may. There is not a better way to do that, so I'm sorry. So the bread, um, what we'll do, I'll say a few more things after I get that, but what we'll do is we'll practice active communion. 
And so instead of passing out the elements, we'll all just come forward to the table and then take them on your own. And that'll take place over the course of a song. Whether you're in the main sanctuary, if there's anybody outside, I'm not sure. There's a table outside, and then there's also these two tables here for you. Uh, during the song, when you're ready, it doesn't have to be right away. You could you know, come when you're ready during the, the last song that we'll play after this. You come forward and just take of the bread and the cup, and then go back to your seat. And then when you're at your seat, you can take it at any time at that point. We're not going to all take it together. We're not going to recite scripture together as we do when it's passed out. You just come and take it up here, and then you could take it back to your seat, and then you could eat it and drink it at that point. A note about the elements. The wine is in the red cups or the purple cups. Those are on the outer rings. There is juice in the middle rings. Those are in clear cups. Okay, so the wine is in the outer rings in the purple cups. The juice is in the middle ring in the, in the clear cup. And then again, um, you take it back to your seat, uh, and you can take of it at that point. A quick word about the elements. So we've talked about this a little bit already. The bread that we eat, it represents the body of Christ. It reminds us that God took on flesh and lived a holy life so that he could be our substitute on the cross. True man and true God there for us on the cross. The cup that we drink, it represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Life is in the blood, we read in Scripture. And we remember that the wages of sin is death, and Christ stood in that place, and his, his blood washes away our sins, that we, that we may be clothed with his righteousness. So what we'll do at this point is we'll just take, as, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, he's writing to sensible people. Well, as sensible Christians who have the Spirit, we'll spend about a minute 60 seconds in time just praying ourselves, examining our heart, thanking God for the forgiveness that we have in Christ. And then after about a minute, I'll pray corporately. I'll lead us in a prayer, thanking God for the bread and for the cup as well. And then we'll have our song after that, okay? So let's all take about 60 seconds or so, and let's pray to our Lord and Savior. Father in heaven, you are holy. We're so grateful to you for the plan of redemption that you have fulfilled the covenant between you, your Son, and your Spirit to save us, to redeem us. We know that if it wasn't for your kindness and your generosity in doing that, that we would yet still be your enemies here today, that we would, in fact, hate you, as your word tells us, as we know to be true. Apart from you, we are utterly lost. And so we thank you for doing all that needed to be done to deliver us from the bondage that we were in. We thank you that we don't have to add to it. We thank you that we don't have to keep it. We thank you that you persevere us and that you hold us in your right hand and nothing can snatch us out of your hand. Lord, even our, our own selves are not great enough to, to remove us from your hand, though we know that if if it wasn't for your tight grip, if it wasn't for you holding us fast, that we would certainly lose this salvation that you have given to us. So we are so grateful that from start to complete finish, that our salvation is completely in your hands. And we ask that you would help us to always remember your gospel and that the participating in communion tonight that we do on this Good Friday, that it would remind us of your mercy is in Christ to us. We thank you for the bread that we will get to eat, this one loaf that was broken to these many pieces, that we may be reminded of how you took on a body, how you tabernacled with us, Lord, being a, a perfect substitute then for us, true man, as well as being true God, and how your body was broken 
and that how your blood was shed. We thank you for the cup as well, which reminds us of that. Apart from the shedding of blood, we know that our sins couldn't be forgiven. So we thank you for being a sacrifice, uh, both Lamb of God, Lion of Judah. We, we praise you, and we ask that you would bring into remembrance your mighty deeds all the time, and that our hope would always be in you, and you crucified in your cross, not in our cross, Lord, in your works, not in our works. We praise you, and we thank you for this night of worship that we've been able to have together. Bless us still as we participate and as we continue to sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.